In the following live session recording, Lee Taylor, Minister of Outreach, Johnson Ferry Baptist Church, Marietta, Georgia, talks about gospel conversations training. Learn how to train your church members in an evangelism method that is as simple as meeting others in the normal rhythms of life and pointing them to Christ in an encouraging and inviting way. It is called Gospel Conversations. You'll hear how Johnson Ferry Church has ramped up evangelism and how your church can too. This session equips listeners to teach your church members how to transition everyday conversations to gospel conversations. Let's join Lee now. What I'm going to do today is just share with you, uh, it's just a what we're calling a gospel conversation workshop that we are offering at our church. And I would say uh, we've been on a journey for the past, I would maybe two years of just trying to help our church members um, see themselves really being used by God where they live, work, and play. So we have plenty of mission trips that we send out. I think we sent out 2,000 folks from our church last year on mission trips. Um, but what we want to do is say, hey, that's great. We'll keep doing that. But the other 51 weeks of the year, how do you see God using you at the doctor's office, at the gym, on the tennis court, on the golf course, in your classroom, in your cul-de-sac? Because um, I really feel like a lot of our people are just not seeing that at all in their lives. And um, so what I'm going to share with you is a culmination of us learning from other churches and other ministries and just a real kingdom vision kind of product that I want to share with you today. In fact, a lot of this, if you're familiar with, um, if you're familiar with uh, No Place Left, thank you, I just went blank there for a second, um, and maybe E3 Ministries, Global Ministries, um, this is, this is something that they've come up with, and we've kind of tweaked it like a good church would and, uh, and trying to make it fit for our, our culture and our context in our church. So <clears throat> we understand that the, the greatest commandment is to love God and love our neighbor. And for the first couple of years that I was on staff in our kind of local outreach, local ministries area, I would just randomly ask people like, hey, how, are, how do you feel like Johnson Ferry is, how do we love our neighbor? You know, and we can kind of point to the backpack drive and the canned food drive and the summer lunches and some of our homeless ministry that we're doing and, and those kinds of things. But our church is located in a pretty middle to high income area. And so the, I would say the immediate five mile radius, a lot of those needs, um, a lot of what we're doing doesn't go to those immediate neighbors, right? They don't have those kinds of maybe physical needs. And if they did, if, if I'm honest with you, they probably wouldn't raise their hand. They just get another credit card and go more into debt and that kind of thing. So then it's like, well, how are we loving our immediate neighbor? And uh, and realize, man, we got to get better at teaching our people how to have gospel conversations and how to have just see everyday conversations as an opportunity to turn that into a gospel conversation and, and an opportunity to kind of point our story to God's story. So this is what this tool is. It's not perfect. Uh, you'll probably think of something better, and I hope you do, and you can come back next year and you can teach it to us. Um, but it's been something that we found that's been really effective. And, uh, and one of the things that we found effective about it is that we didn't just offer it and then forget about it. So part of our strategy was, hey, we want to train as many people as possible, but we want to keep asking the question, 
did you have any gospel conversations? Right? So I got to go to the Falcons preseason game last night. Julio Jones did not dress out. He did not tell me that before I came uh, and, and sat down. But nevertheless, I would say he's arguably probably the best wide receiver, maybe in the NFL, definitely on the Falcons team. And when Julio has a great day on a Sunday on the, on the field, uh, I don't think he ever looks at his coach and says, hey, did you see what I just did? Well, I'm not coming in next week. I'm just going to take the rest of the week off. Like, I, I got this, right? Like, he understands the importance of practice and practice and practice and timing and patterns. But oftentimes, as churches, we just kind of we'll offer a program. We'll do it for one or two weeks, maybe six weeks, and then we just don't talk about it for a long, long time. So we said, how can we keep this in front of our people? And so one of the ways that we did this is with our own staff. I, I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm willing to bet that many of your staff are not good at having gospel conversations themselves in their personal life. If it's VBS week, they're probably great at it. If they're on a mission trip or an organized church project, they're probably great at it. But when they're at Publix, when they're getting their oil changed... When they're just mowing the yard, um, they're probably not that good at it. So in our weekly staff meetings, we just started asking, before we get into the weekly meeting, we just say, hey, if you have any gospel conversations, let's, let's hear it. And it would be about this quiet, the first time you asked that question. <laughs> but you show up next week, and my boss asks the same question. Hey, does anybody have any gospel conversations? Maybe one person recently. And you keep asking and keep asking and keep asking. And my, I had a seminary professor. They used to do this every time I went to class. Like, anybody have an opportunity to share the gospel? The past week. I mean, first time he asked me, we're all, you know, <laughs> looking over here, looking down, trying to make eye contact. But the next week and the next, I'm a slow learner, so it took me four weeks before I realized he's going to keep asking this question. And the reason he keeps asking is because he thinks this is important for us in the growth as a minister. So, my boss, every week, he'll say, hey, any gospel conversations? And some of the stories are great, some of them are awful, some of them are halfway, some of them are a little bit this and whatever. But it's all good, right? Because it keeps our mind focused on the right thing. And there's no guilt, there's no you know, finger pointing or shaming or things like that. If you didn't have a story, you didn't have a story. But it, it, even for me, there's times where I'll just, I'll forget. Like, I just haven't, haven't, I haven't even looked for an opportunity. And just having those things. We have a monthly all-staff meeting with the whole uh, church staff. And at that, we'll take five or ten minutes out and just say, hey, round your tables. Just share if you've had any gospel conversations. And we'll share one or two little tips and tricks and kind of pro tips um, that we'll just kind of share once a month kind of thing. And so I'm just telling you, like, if you're thinking, hey, I'm going to learn this training and I'm going to teach my church this training, that's great. But the secret sauce in this training is this is just training. The secret sauce is how do you keep this in front of your folks? And so we went to our Sunday school teachers. We went to our Sunday Bible study teachers. We went to our small group leaders. Hey, before you start your small group, you know, Sunday school, before you start spending 30 minutes praying for Aunt Ida's knee, like, could you take five minutes and just ask if anybody had any gospel conversations this week? 
And then what you find is that then that filters your Bible study. Like, oh, we're learning about the Bible so that I, I can be a better minister, so that I can be better, right? And so let, let me, if you don't learn anything else today, just tuck that away and find ways to, uh, to do that. Not all your staff are going to be on board for this. Let me just go ahead and tell you that right now. They're not going to tell you that because, you know, they're, they're Christian ministers, so they're not going to say, no, it's not important. Their lives are just going to tell you it's not important. And they're not going to make room in their ministry because it's not important. That's a whole other seminar, another breakout session. But uh, a lot of it, too, is just because that's not how they're evaluated, right? If you did a D-Now weekend, we want to know how many came to the D-Now. Okay? So I just say that to say don't be discouraged. You call me. You get depressed. Say, Lee, nobody's you know, grabbing onto this, and, and I'll, I'll walk you through it. We'll go get a Dr. Pepper and hang out. And, um, but slowly but surely... I can just tell you, I just, just see more and more staff just gravitating to this. To the point where we just we had our high school mission trip go to the DR over spring break, and this training was now part of the student training. Our deacon chairman had a deacon retreat, and this training was part of the training. You know, So just slowly over time, you just start seeing how God's moving and, and working it in. So... It's a long burn, it's a long ride, but it's fun to see how God is using uh, this to kind of help our people think, oh yeah, I can do this, I can, I can have a conversation. All right, so what I want you to do is I want you to take that piece of paper, and I want you to fold it in half like a little booklet. And uh, so the first, we're gonna, we call this 411, 411 training, because we're going to answer four questions on one piece of paper in roughly an hour, one hour. And uh, so the first question is what? Why? That's right. That's right. So I want you to look at your partner. I want you to look at your partner. I want you to look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. And whatever I write up here, this is your page. I want you to write at the top of your page, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. So read, once you find it, read it out loud to your partner. All right. Y'all are slow readers. Let's go. So, who is talking in these verses? Jesus. Jesus. All right. That's a good Sunday school answer, but go ahead. That is the correct answer. It is Jesus. All right, Jesus. And what is he basically saying? Go and do what? Make disciples. All right. Y'all know that. That's why you came into the Gospel Conversation Workshop. But this is part of your training, because what you're going to do with this piece of paper, at the end of it, you're going to have a tool that you can then turn around and train somebody else with. All right? So I'm going to do it just like you've never heard this before, and like you're not ministers of the Gospel, you've never heard of this before. So just kind of bear with me and be a little patient with me. But what I want you to be able to do is show up to lunch with one of your best buddies and say, hey, let me show you something that I learned last week, and I want to get your thoughts on it. And you're going to walk him through this little tool here. All right, so why is the question, and really it's part of our identity as Christians. So let's look up 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 
through 21. And write that on the piece of paper. So whatever I'm writing here, you write on your piece of paper on that one page. And then the other partner, whoever didn't read, you get to read this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21. All right. So in 2 Corinthians, Paul is telling these new Christians in Corinth. In Corinth, as you may or may not know, is like Las Vegas on steroids. I mean, just uh, just an ungodly city. And here are these group of new believers trying to figure out, how do I live out my faith? And he tells them two things. He tells them they are two things in Christ. What are, what's one of the things he tells them? New creation. A new creation, that's right. So I want you to write the word new. And then I want you to draw a little stick figure. And give them that, kind of like that new car smell. We are new in Christ. Whatever was in the past is in the past. And God reconciled all that. Right? And then he tells us what else? That we are ambassadors. ambassadors. Alright, so draw a little globe. That looks like a basketball, but you know, it's alright. You got the idea. Oh, I know it. I'm missing. You got to do one of these half things. Now, now it's a globe. There you go. Alright, so ambassador, right. So if you are the ambassador for the United States, and let's say the president sends you, I don't know, to Russia and you're the ambassador there, your job is, um, well, it's kind of tricky right now. But where are you going to set up your office if you are the ambassador to Russia? The U.S. Embassy. And where is that U.S. Embassy going to be located? In Russia. It would be foolish for you to set up your office in the White House and wait for all the Russians to come to the White House before you represent them, right? Correct. What are some things you're going to do, maybe on your top three things, that you're going to do when you get to Russia? Or maybe even before that. What's really important if you're going to be the ambassador to Russia? To so probably learn Russian, that's right. And their culture. So language, culture... You know, what's appropriate, how to shake hands, how to greet. You're probably not going to study Spanish. You're probably going to study Russian, right? So Paul is saying, hey, guess what? We are ambassadors, not for the President of the United States, but for Jesus Christ. It would be foolish for us to set up our office in our own church building and wait for those outside to come to us. We've got to go out and represent, not the President, Jesus Christ. So we've got to learn the culture, we've got to learn the language, we've got to learn what's appropriate. There's a lot of responsibility. There's a lot that comes with that. And likewise, if, if I'm the president and I ask my ambassador, you know, what did your week look like? And your answer is you spend most of it inside the embassy... You're not going to be ambassador for long, right? So, so number one, why? Why should we be having gospel conversations? Well, it's part of our identity. This is who we are. This is everybody. This isn't paid staff. 
This isn't the really spiritual deacon. This isn't the lady that knows all those scripture memories. This is everybody that's saying, I'm a follower of Jesus. This is our job description. This is how we love God, love our neighbor. This is how we fulfill the Great Commission. This is how we do life, all right? So, flip the page and go to page two. And on the inside of that page is question number two, which is what? 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 Yeah, what is it? What? Yeah. Sorry, it's my little gospel conversation joke. All right. What do I say, Lee? What do I say to have a gospel conversation? You've got people in your church that are going to pretend like they know what they're supposed to say, but when it comes down to it, they might freeze up. They may not know exactly what to say. They may know what to say on the mission trip, right, when nobody knows you and there's no embarrassment and I'm leaving in five days, so it doesn't really matter. I can be brave and bold and say all kinds of things, right? But when I'm hanging out with my buddies from work, when I'm hanging out with, I don't know, whoever, fill in the blank, right? So... I'm going to teach you three tools that uh, I want you to think of like a tool belt. Like <clears throat> I don't want you to think of these as linear. Like first you do this, then you do this, then you do this. You've got a hammer, you've got a saw, and you've got a drill. So depending on where you are in this conversation and who you're talking to, you may use these in different order. Um, you may use these differently in different ways depending on who you're talking to. Okay. So, the first one, I'll write up here, number two. What? So, the first one, kind of divide this into thirds a little bit. Uh, we like to call care through prayer. And that's essentially um, asking the question. How can I pray for you? All right? You are going about your day with this little thought in the back of your head that's going, I wonder if there's a way that I could ask somebody today, how can I pray for you? Just looking for those opportunities. Right? So, we... Need an exterminator to come to our house the other uh, about a month ago, and Steve pulls up, and Steve is an exterminator aficionado. He loves his job. He's passionate about his job. He has a holster with not one uh, exterminator gun, but two. He's packing heat, and he goes through our house for like 45 minutes, and he's crawling, and he's telling my 10 year old, my 10 year old son, just loving it. He's falling everywhere, and he's just talking a mile a minute. Uh, the exterminator, not my son, and and just talking about cockroaches and mice and all kinds of things. And he, every once in a while, he would apologize. Like, I know I'm talking too much, but I just love this stuff, right? So he's he's doing this, and I'm enjoying it. And at the end of it, we're walking out, and we're in the driveway. My son's shooting hoops, and I said, Steve, man, thank you so much for taking care of our house. I really appreciate it. My wife, it gives my wife more comfort. And uh, hey, before you go, is there anything that I could pray for for you? Maybe for you or for your family? And Steve looks at me and he says, Well, uh, actually, my wife left me and the kids about a year ago. Mm. And it's I'm still trying to figure it out. Okay. Well, let's pray for that. Would you mind if I pray for you right now? Sure. 
So my son's name is Mac. I was like, Mac, come over here. Let's just pray for Steve real quick. So there's the three of us in my driveway and just praying for Steve. Mm-hmm. You know? I'm getting my oil changed the other day. And um, Sean White is the mechanic. I remember that because I keep thinking of the snowboarder and thinking this guy looks nothing like the snowboarder because he's just covered in grease and oil and there's all this stuff going on. And I'm, I pull into the oil pit, you know, place and he's spending 30 minutes trying to get everything done. And what well, was supposed to be a 10 minute quick lube turned into 45 minutes. And he, we had three cars in the bay and these other two guys didn't show up. So he's trying to do all three cars. And by the end of it, you know, he's talking me through all this stuff, and I just said, hey, Sean, is there anything? Thank you so much for taking care of my car. Actually, it's my wife's car. I really appreciate it. Hey, before I go, is there anything I can pray for for you? And he says, well, kind of thought for a second. Like, yeah. He says, my wife is pregnant, like we're expecting. And uh, it's our first kid. It's like, great. I said, can I, would you mind if I pray for you right now? I'm like, great. Okay. What's your wife's name? Okay. Let's pray. Come back. Like a month or so later with my car. Hey, Sean, how's it going, man? Good, good. You know, same thing. Showing me the oil, wipers, all that kind of stuff at the end of it. Hey, is there anything we can pray for for you? And he's like, hey, I remember you from last time. Because you prayed for my wife. And we were expecting. And now we have a two-month-old son. That's how you can pray for him. Because we have a two-month-old son. I have no idea what I'm doing, you know? Kind of thing. And um, just on and on and on. I'm telling you. I've done vocational ministry for over 20 years, but my faith personally hasn't grown like it has in the last maybe two years of just seeing these opportunities. And what you're doing is you're teaching your church uh, ways to see the Holy Spirit active and alive in their everyday life, right? You've just, when you just ask them, hey, how can I pray for you? You've just invited the Holy Spirit into the conversation. You've just invited the Holy Spirit to be a part of this conversation, so, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up. I want you to go find somebody that is not your partner. Introduce yourself. I want you to say, ask them, how can I pray for you? And then the other person, I want you to answer in a, in a serious answer. Don't, like, don't make up something like my dog died or something like that. Like, just give them a, a quick answer. And then I want you to, to pray for them real quickly. Like, I know we're at a Baptist conference, but let's just make it a, just like a, a real quick direct prayer. All right, ready? All right. Good job, everybody. Anybody throw anything at you? Anybody get mad at you? Nowhere at church? At a church conference? Uh, I can't... I've lost track of how many times I've asked that question to somebody, and I have yet to have anybody mad at me. I've had no's. had no thank you. No, I'm good. And it's the nicest no you'll ever hear. You know? And when they say no, thank you, or no, you say, great, have a nice day. That's it. But I've had, I, I used to say uh, about 8 out of 10 are yeses. And I feel like it's more 9 out of 10 now. Um, and it's just, it's just a powerful question. Because it really takes you out of the equation and allows God to be a part of the situation. And, and I just think, man, I have no idea what's going on in this person's life before I ask this question. And I have no idea what's going on after I ask this question. Um, but I just want to be faithful in asking the question.
And I could spend the rest of the time just story after story of people that, whether it's my waitress, you know, hey, we're getting ready to pray for our food. Is there anything we pray for for you? You know, yep. And just use common sense, right? So, like, if, if she's the only one in the restaurant and she's trying to bust ten tables and her hair's on fire, you know, that's probably not the optimum time sometimes. Unless you just feel like God's telling you to do it. But other times you'll be in and it's just me and the family and we're just hanging out, right? And sometimes they come and sit down or just hang out and, you know. So whether it's Waffle House or something a little bit more elevated than Waffle House. Um, I've had people get excited and grab both hands and let's do this. And I've had people, you know, say no thank you. And, but I just think it's such an easy question and it's something that everybody in our church can do. And I think I've even had, you know, some CEO kind of Fortune 500 guys say, hey, I work downtown. There's uh, office company policies I can't share by faith. And I go, yeah, I totally get that. You're absolutely right. But can you invite Bill to go to, to lunch from work? Yeah. Great. Well, while you're at lunch, just ask him how things are going. I guarantee you, if you talk to your people long enough, they're going to tell you something that you can pray for. Just, how was your weekend? Oh, let me tell you about the weekend. Man, you know. Oh, my, my, my daughter just started driving. Oh, I don't know how I'm going to pay for preschool. Oh, you know. Well, hey, could I just pray for you and your wife and... I pray for your kid driving. Sure. And uh, and again, I <laughs> I've had neighbors where it's like I, I have a uh, officer that's at Dobbins and he's getting his doctorate in war, uh, which was just an amazing thing. I was like, I don't know what that means. What does that mean? And tell me all about it. And it sounds awesome, you know. And uh, he's like, but he has to go back to back and forth to Savannah all the time, and his daughter's graduating and. I said, you know, hey, can I just pray for you and pray for your kids and while you're gone and transitioning? And by the way, if your wife needs anything, here's our phone number and that kind of thing. And sure. And again, some of it, sometimes it just stops right here. But more times than not, it's just creating an open door to some other stuff we're going to get to in just a second. So a couple of tips. Neil, come up here for a second. You can be my demonstrator. So, Neil and I, we're buddies, we're partners in, in ministry. I just met him about 30 minutes ago. Uh, so when I prayed for Neil, I was like, man, let's pray, right? So I'm doing this. Let me just encourage you, if you're asking a perfect stranger, uh, that maybe, maybe there's not as much you know, physical contact. Maybe it's just hands by your side. Oftentimes, if I'm praying uh, at restaurants for waiters and waitresses and you know, the manager's walking by. I'd be like, you know what? I don't even close my eyes when I pray sometimes. And you keep your eyes open. I'll keep my eyes open. One girl, she... <laughs> oh, thank you, Neil. Sorry. And uh, my wife and I are out to eat, and the waitress is like, yeah, I'd love for you to pray for me, but I'm like, this is like my first week. And I'm a little nervous with the manager. I'm like, great. So I'm going to hold up my menu. I'm going to act like I'm ordering uh, food here. So, uh, and I'm just going to pray for you. She's like, great, 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 great. Okay. So I was like praying for Susie, you know, dear Lord, Heavenly Father. And I had my eyes open and the manager walks by and I was like, and I'll take two tacos and, <laughs> you know, three. And, but when I got done praying, she just was, just the waterworks were on. And she's like, you have no idea what that meant. Because I just, I'm new to Atlanta 
and I'm, I'm trying to find a church, and I just don't know where to go. And that, I mean, just it was obviously that God wanted this to happen, kind of thing. And I think too for families, like we try and model this for our kids. We've got three kids in high school through elementary age, and so we were eating at California Pizza Kitchen, and Paul was serving us. And hey, Paul, anything we can get ready to pray for our pizza? Anything we pray for for you? And he's like, no, and I took off. So my kids are looking at me. He's like, well, "What are you gonna do now, Dad?" You know. I said, "Well, the secret is we can still pray for him, right?" So we pray for our food, and as we're praying for our food, we pray for Paul. Five minutes later, he comes back, and he walked over to my side, and he kind of knelt down. He's like, "Hey, I just want to apologize. Um, I hope I didn't offend you." I'm like, "You didn't offend me, no." He's like, "I, I just, uh, no." You kind of caught me off guard because no one's ever asked me that question before. And this is the restaurant that's across the street from our church. Mm-hmm. So I'm just telling you guys that if anything, it just shows me all kinds of needs that are all around us that we just are blind to and forget and kind of are doing our really good ministry, guys, but we're missing a lot of it. So, all right, moving on. I can keep going with that, but. Second thing is called a 15-second testimony. So basically, and I say 15-second, not your 15-minute. This isn't your A&E, you know, hour-long special about your life and your full-long story. This is really just trying to get from your story to God's story. So I want you to think about um, your life before Jesus Kind of circumstances around when you trusted Jesus, your life after Jesus, and then you're going to follow up with a question. It's the best question ever. But I love this question. And so I always use kind of an intro that something to the effect of there was a time in my life. There was a time in my life. Dot, dot, dot. So, in, in, in kind of how I transition from care through prayer to my 15-second testimony, is something like this. Let's say I prayed for Neil. Neil, thank you so much, you know, praying for Neil. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, yeah, by the way, be sure when you finish your prayers that you say, in Jesus' name, right? And just let, let the people know who we're praying to. I only had one person ask me before we started praying. He said, now, who are we praying to? And uh, I said, well, I'm praying to Jesus. He goes, I'm good with that. All right, so, so you want to let them know, right? You want to let them know who we're praying to and are asking to be a part of our lives these days. So I pray for Jesus, or pray for Neil, and uh, thank you, Jesus, in Jesus' name. Boom. More times than not, Neil say, hey, you know, thank you, appreciate that. And I say, absolutely, man. And I said, in fact, <clears throat> one of the reasons that I love praying, Neil, for people is because there's a time in my life when I thought that being a Christian meant following lots of rules and regulations and just kind of trying to do more good than bad. But at a certain point, somebody helped me understand that it's what Jesus did for me, not what I did for him. And they forgave me and made me want to follow him in a whole new way. And now my life has meaning and purpose and I have a relationship with him. And I was just wondering, do you have a story like that? Okay. So that was my 15 second testimony. Boom. So I want you to think about two words that would... 
Describe your life before you trusted Jesus. Two words, not two paragraphs. So I said for me, I said rules and religious. What are some words that come to mind for you? Tradition and empty. My word, church and ignorant. Church and ignorant, yeah. Wild and rebellious. Okay. Deer hunting and baseball. Deer hunting and baseball. <laughs> That's all it is. Yeah. A friend of mine said self centered and suicidal. Well, that'll make me listen, right? All right, so look to your partner and look at him and say, there was a time in my life. Say it three times to each other. All right, now I want you to work in your two words. So, Randy, there was a time in my life when I was religious and a rule follower. Alright, then you try it. I like the hyphen, that's good. Alright, now think of two words that would help the person you're talking to understand kind of your your transaction with Jesus, okay? So I think I put, for me, uh, forgive and follow. There's a time in my life when I was a rule follower and religious, and then I realized that Jesus forgave me and it made me want to follow him. All right, and I, I would emphasize, I like these words because uh, what I didn't say was, and then I started going to church. Well, then I started reading the Bible a lot. And then I, like, I want them to understand, like, what changed is my relationship with Jesus or my understanding of my relationship with Jesus, right? So, say, two words that describe your encounter or your trust in Jesus. So, for me, it was forgive and follow. You can use those words. You're allowed to do that. And again, I know there's some personalities in this room that are really thinking about these words really hard. And um, like, this is not going to be the final. You're going to change this. This is going to change. You should be okay with that. It's just, you know, depending on who you're talking to, right? The context might be different. So this isn't in concrete, but it's just kind of, a, I want you to get the framework here in your head, not so much the words in your head. Because um, my words have changed over time, and depending on who I'm talking to, they might change. So don't freak out if you can't figure out the exact wording right now. What's the sentence structure again? So there was a time in my life when I was blank and blank, then with Jesus, blank and blank, and now my life is blank and blank, we're going to get to that, that in a second. All right. So now practice with your partner uh, up to here, up to, up to Jesus. There was a time in my life when I was a rule follower, religious, but then I realized that Jesus forgave and forgave me and made me want to follow him. All right. So 
Try that with your partner. Yeah, that's good. All right, last two here. Think about two words that describe your life now after you put your trust in Jesus. So for me, I said uh, meaning, gave me meaning and purpose, and a relationship. And relationship, you don't have to do this, but relationship is kind of the opposite of religious, right? So if there's some words for your first two that are kind of the opposite, that's great. You don't get bonus points. I just uh, just want another way of, of thinking about it. So think about two words and, and uh, say some of these out loud. Help, help some of the other group. What are, what are some of your words that would describe your life now? Fulfilled direction. Fulfilled direction. That's good. Family, clarity. Okay. Joyful. Joyful. Yes. Yep. Good. Thankful, I like that. All right. And then the question. This is important. You've got to have a question. Do you have a story like that? So, Neil, there was a time in my life when I was a rule follower and religious. But then I realized that Jesus forgave me and it made me want to follow him in a whole new way. And now my life has meaning and purpose and I feel like I have a relationship with Jesus. Do you have a story like that? You don't have to say it just like that. You can change the words around. Sometimes I might say, you know, does any of that connect with you at all? You know, or where do you see yourself these days when it comes to your faith? Or how would you describe your faith? You know, it's a lot of ways to ask it. But the reason we call this gospel conversations and not gospel presentation is because we want dialogue, right? So the first question I asked to start the conversation was, how can I pray for you? So I asked the question, and then I stopped talking. And then I listened. You know? And then we talk, I talk a little bit more, and then I ask a question, and then I stop talking, and then I listen. Okay, so it's back and forth. And, uh, and, and again, most people, and our culture is becoming more and more this way, most people haven't put words to their faith in a long, long time. So don't be surprised if they mumble through or if it's not exactly what it looks like, you know, uh, in church sometimes. And, you know, they just, they, they, haven't, they haven't verbalized it maybe in a long time. So don't, don't act surprised when lost people act lost, okay? That's what I'm trying to say here. So, um, so but it allows them to, to kind of, you know, describe what's going on. And so they might say, uh, well, uh, you know, I used to go to church a lot, but I haven't been back since college. Steve, the exterminator, he says, well, yeah, we used to go to church a lot, but if I'm honest, I haven't been back since she left. Um, or you might get, yeah, I have a story like that. Yeah, I trusted Jesus when I was in college, and I've been following him, and we, we're real active at church, and I lead, you know. And you're like, oh, man, he's a Christian. 
No. <laughs> You're like, all right, great. You know? And again, like back to here, I have no idea who I'm asking this question. And it could be another believer, and God's just using you to encourage them that day. And I asked somebody the other day and, and how I could pray for them, and they said, man, I'm good. My relationship with God is good. But just the fact that you asked me this question is, is really hitting me. And he's like, I can't explain it other than it's just, it feels so good to have that kind of encouragement um, in the middle of the week from God. Uh, a buddy and I, were, we went out to, to say, hey, let's see if we can have a couple of conversations or just see if we can pray for two people tonight. So we're walking towards Target, thinking we're going to ask find somebody in Target. And before we got to Target, there's three young people just sitting on the car hood, just kind of hanging out. And uh, they're kind of laughing and chuckling. And so I was like, hey, let's just go ask them. So we walk up and uh, just said, hey, don't want to bother you, but just we're just walking around tonight. Just want to know if there's anything we can pray for for you. And the one kid, he goes, yes! You know, and so, you know, we're all going, okay. And uh, he said, I was literally praying this morning. I just said, God, send somebody to, to kind of give me a word of encouragement. I said, well, let's get to it. All right. You know, kind of thing. And then his friends were definitely paying attention at that point. So, um, so yeah, so we got this, so you have a story like that, and they may say yes or no, or I don't know, I'm not sure, or not really, or whatever. And then I'll transition to a gospel tool, okay? So what I'm going to draw for you is the three circles uh, gospel tool. If you're a bridge guy, that's fantastic, please keep using that. If you like some other tool or illustration to explain the gospel, great. I don't get a commission from the three circles people on this, um, but I, I love it. Um, and I'll, I'll explain to it and just why I love it so much. But, but I'll transition uh, like this. Uh, I'll say, David, hey, um, you know, do you have a story like that? David says, well, kind of, not really sure. I said, well, hey, can I draw something for you that when somebody drew it for me, it just kind of made more sense of my faith? Sure. You know, and again, they may say, well, I got to go. I don't have time or no, you know, but if they say yes, then great. Be asked. So I'll, I, on a piece of paper or a napkin, a buddy of mine works on the grounds crew at a country club. And he was explaining early in the morning to the guys that he's working with. And he drew, he drew the sand trap, you know, so I thought that was awesome. Uh, all right. So I'll say, hey, David, you know, you can kind of look at our world today. And see that there's all kinds of brokenness in our world. I mean, just look around. There's war and fighting and famine and terrorism. And our kids are growing up in the school shooting generation. I mean, there's, there's just brokenness. But that wasn't always the case. In fact, when, when God created the world, he created it in his design. And God's design was perfect. Our relationship with God was perfect. Our relationship with each other was perfect. But at a certain point, all of us, since the very first people, all of us have decided to kind of run from God's design for our life. At some point, we all thought my design is better than God's design. My design for relationships or work or money or fill in the blank, right? And when we do that, when we run from God's design for our life, that's called sin. And that sin is what has led to this brokenness. 
So now we're in this brokenness, and now we're trying to figure out how do I deal with this brokenness, or maybe fix the brokenness, or numb the brokenness. And so some of us think, well, you know what? If I just had more money, that'd fix my brokenness. Or if I just had a different job, or a job, that'd fix my brokenness. Or if I was in a different relationship with someone, that'd fix it. I see this a lot in church. Um, if I just go to church a lot, or if I just do a lot of good deeds, that'll fix my brokenness. And while some of those things are good things, they can't fix this sin problem. And over time, they're just like rubber bands, and they just kind of snap us back into brokenness. Well, the good news is, is that God sent a rescue plan, and that rescue plan is Jesus. If you can see this or not, but Jesus came down and he lived a perfect life so that when he died on the cross, he took on my sin. He took on our brokenness, something that we couldn't do ourselves. So that when he rose again on the third day, he conquered sin and death and brokenness, which allows us to get back into God's design for our life. Get us back into a right relationship with God. So now we have a choice. We can say, you know what? I want to keep doing things my way, my design, and stay over here in brokenness. Or we can say, you know what? I want to turn and trust in God's plan. And it's just me praying. Praying is just talking to God. But it's me saying, you know what? I want to trust in God's design. I want to trust what Jesus did for me so that I can be back in God's design. But it's more than just saying... Uh, that you believe that there's a Jesus. Many people believe that. It's saying, you know what? I want Jesus, I'm writing this opposite. I want Jesus to be the king of my life. I want to be the king over all these things that I'm trying to have control over. I want to be the king of my marriage and relationships and my money and my influence and my talents. And I certainly want to be the king of forgiving me of my sins. And the Bible promises that when we do that, that we're made new. There's that new stick figure again. So, Joe, let me ask you three questions. When you look at this picture, Joe, where do you see yourself? Do you see yourself kind of over here in brokenness or through Jesus as your king, do you see yourself more in God's design for your life? Joe says, I think, uh, I think I'm over here in brokenness. Now, again, they're going to say all kinds of things. Let me just go ahead and tell you that right now. They're going to say, I'm in brokenness. They're going to say, I'm in God's design. They're going to say, uh, I'm right here. I'm like, well, what does that mean? Well, that means, uh, like, I'm not perfect, but I haven't killed anybody, you know, kind of thing. Like, okay, all right, well, that's interesting. Let's talk about that. I have one lady, you know, say, uh, I'm right here. I said, okay, well, what does that mean? Well, I mean, I know I'm in brokenness, but I think I'm ready to do something about it. All right, well, let's talk about that. My wife, for Christmas two years ago, bought me stand-up comedy lessons at the Punchline Comedy Club downtown Atlanta. So for six weeks, I spent three hours every Monday night with 20 people from all over Atlanta, all walks of life. And we learned, I would say, we studied uh, how to, I don't know if, 
if we learned or not, but uh, how to do stand-up comedy. And there was a guy named Larry. He referred to himself as Larry the Fireman. And Larry was a very nice guy, but he told the dirtiest jokes. And they were so dirty that even the guy who's running the class was like, no, you can't say, you can't say that. You can't say that. And, uh, but he wouldn't. What was the joke? I, well, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Something Randy told him. So, <laughs> so, but for six weeks, I'm just going, man, God, help me have some gospel conversations. Help me have gospel conversations. And God taught me so much through that. And he, and he taught me about my judgmental heart. Because I'm sizing people up, trying to figure out who the lost people are. And I was wrong. And uh, at a certain point, part of, part of my shtick, I talked about working at a church. In fact, I think my opening line was, so uh, a little about me. I'm a minister at a Baptist church. So you get a little clap. Kind of awkward clap. I said, which means... <laughs> That I don't drink a lot <laughs> in public. So, uh, yeah, so I got, thing, got things going. So, um, so Larry says, "Hey, you work at a church. Like, what do you do at a church?" So I said, "Well," and, then, and while I'm pausing, I'm praying. Well, help me, Lord. Uh, oh, uh, we're working. On something uh, in my office this week. Can I, sh can I just draw it for you? I'd love to get your your thoughts on this. And so I pull out a whiteboard and I draw three circles. And I say, Larry, where do you see yourself? And he says, Oh, I'm right here. <laughs> I said, Did you pay attention to this part? <laughs> he said, Yeah. I said, Well, why do you say that? He says, Well, I'm a, I'm a good guy. I make people laugh. I'm not mean to people. Like, I'm, I'm right here. And I said, well, remember when you were talking about how you're having such a hard time trying to date three women in three different states? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, well, you know, so we just talked, anyways, long story. We talked talk through this. And so my second question is, where would you like to be? All right, so I want to be over here. And my third question is, well, what's preventing you from trusting Jesus as your king? So for Larry, it was, well, I don't want to give up these relationships. For other people, it's, I can't think of anything. Right? But the whole point is this illustration kind of helps them, again, verbalize and put words to their faith or lack of faith or where they are. Right? And so you just use it. Use it as a tool. Like, well, tell me about this. Tell me, you know, if they say, well, I'm right here, you know, I didn't say, wrong, you know, I just, you know, well, why do you, why do you say that, right? Because we're going to have a conversation about this. And I want them to start putting words to where they are so we can talk about it. So, with Larry, it went backwards. So, what do you do? I work at a church. What do you do at the church? Let me show you. And I did this. And he starts talking about, well, I think I'm right here. And so then I go, well, you know what? There was a time in my life when I thought I was right here because I was very religious. I was doing way more good than you were, Larry. I outgooded you. But then I realized it's not about me. It's about what Jesus did for me. And now I have this. 
What do you think about that lyric? Mm. Okay. So we talk and talk and talk, and finally he's, he's just not ready. But at the end, I said, hey, before you leave, like, how can I pray for you? Okay? So that's what I mean, like, sometimes it starts here and goes this way. Sometimes it can go this way. Sometimes it's Christmas time. Who is Jesus? You know, I don't know. Well, for me, I used to think Jesus was Santa Claus. And, the, you know. So just think of them as inter interchangeable tools that may not always go this way. It may go in different ways. Um, last, last story. So we would teach this. So it, it, we taught, or we're doing uh, gospel conversation workshops on Wednesday nights for the next three weeks at our church. And so last Wednesday night, we taught it at like seven people in our class. And we would do this on a Friday night. We would say, hey, we'll pay for barbecue. Thank you, Randy. No we would say, we'll pay for babysitting. And you just come from six to nine, I think. And uh, so in an hour, hour and 15, we've trained them all in how to have a gospel conversation. And then we would look at them and say, hey, you have everything that you need to have a gospel conversation right now. So we're going to send you out to go do that. Now, I'm not going to tell you where to go. I'm not going to tell you who to talk to. I don't want you to all go to the same place. I don't want you to go in more than groups of two or three. And we're going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to open up hearts that can be receptive to us just saying, how can I pray for you? Before you get out of the car, I want you to pray one more time. And then I just want you to walk. You can go to the shopping area. You can go to Target. You can go to Starbucks. You can go Whole Foods, whatever. And just walk around. And their eyes get really big. And they get the sweaty, you know, upper lip. And then they get up and go. And I say, hey, come back in 45 minutes. So they come back. And it's nothing but stories. Some of them are funny. Some of them are great. Some of them are halfway done. You know? But everybody comes back going, man, I can do this. Yes. Everybody comes back going, if you... You, when you said that 45 minutes ago, I thought there's no way. Now, I see that it's no big deal. That fear factor is out the door. And they just see how simple it is and how normal it is. And there's all kinds of funny stories. And husband and wife, they go into Publix. And the husband, it's always the husbands. And the husbands are like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. And so they're just walking around Publix. And he sees the guy behind the deli meat counter. And he thinks, oh, I'm going to ask this guy. And he walks up, and the deli meat counter guy says, how can I help you? And he freezes. I'd like a pound of provolone. That's what he said. That's what he said. And so this guy's cutting a pound of provolone, a pound of provolone. And I was like, did you need any cheese that night? He goes, no, I didn't need cheese at all, you know. And then he's holding this pound of provolone in his hand. He's like, this is ridiculous. And he says, actually, I didn't need cheese at all. He says, but it's Christmas time, and I was just wondering if there's anything I can pray for you. And they had an amazing gospel conversation. Another guy and his wife, they go into Old Navy. Same thing. It's always the husbands. They didn't want to do it. So he got so nervous, he went into the dressing room and then worked himself up and then came out of the dressing room, and there was a guy that he had a gospel conversation with. 
So, um, last Wednesday night, we did this class. It was thundering, like huge thunderstorm, lightnings everywhere, so I can't send them out. So I just said, hey, just walk through the church, walk through the hallways. It's Wednesday night. We always have just kind of random people in here, and sometimes there's parents here for basketball league or RAs or choir, and we have no idea. And so um, Paul went with me, who's in the class, and we just kind of walk in the hallways, and we come down to the bottom of the stairs, and there's this young mom sitting on this bench, said, hey, don't want to bother you, just want to know how we can pray for you. She says, no, I'm good, thanks. I'm like, okay, great, have a nice day. And we're walking out. I mean, I'm halfway out the door, and she goes, well, wait a minute. There's one more thing. I just remember my friend's in ICU. Could you pray for her? Yep. So we prayed for her. Uh, her name's Renee. Renee, one of the reasons we like pray for people is because there was a time in my life when I was blah, 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 blah. Renee, do you have a story like that? No? Oh. Well, can I draw something for you that made sense of my faith? Sure. Pull out his paper, draw three circles. Renee, where do you see yourself? Uh, I'm right here in brokenness. I said, why do you say that? She goes, just trust me. Like, okay. I said, where would you like to be? She says, I want to be here, of course. I said, well, is there anything preventing you from trusting Jesus tonight? She goes, no. I said, well, you want to pray right now and trust Jesus? She's like, yeah. And she stood up and we all held hands and prayed. And she prayed right there in the stairwell lobby of our church atrium. Wow. So we celebrated that and I said, Ray, what are you doing here? She said, I got two kids, like one's in RAs and one's in choir right now. Well, let's get you, let's get you going here. I said, I don't want to leave you on your own. We'll get to that in just a minute, but I'll talk about that later. So, uh, just a little sound bite that there's lost people in your church, by the way, in case you didn't know that. All right. So, number three. On the other page, what is that question? So, those are the three things. Those are the what. How are we doing on time? We got ten minutes? Yeah. Okay. I'll do this in five minutes, and then I have five minutes of questions. All right. Who? Number three is who. So I want you, on this blank page, I just want you to write your name in the middle. Don't write my name. Write your name in the middle. So we do, the, we do number three and four after everybody comes back. Okay, so you do one and two and send them out. I'm just telling you, the secret sauce in this is that you find ways to keep it in front of your people, but the secret sauce in the training is that you send them out. Don't send them all out same place. Don't all go to the mall. That just ticks people off, and it makes people angry. So just go where God's calling you. you know? If you don't send them out, it's just training, and they'll forget it in a week, and you're back to where you were. Because we, we did the Friday night trainings, and we sent them out, and we got huge results and fruit from that. We did a Sunday school hour training, on a Sunday morning, and we were so excited because we were able to train uh, a couple thousand people over two Sundays, but we didn't get it, we couldn't send them out, right? Because I got to go to the worship service. And so for many of them, it was just another Sunday school lesson. 
And there's just something about seeing this and then putting into practice, right? Nobody wants an open-heart surgeon to work on their heart because they read the textbook. Like, I want to know that you went to, to school, and I want to know that you apprenticed next to somebody, and I want to know that you did the lab work, and, and that you practice and practice and practice and practice, and, and, and that you study with some of the best surgeons ever. But many of our folks have only been educated by classroom reading only, and we're not giving them the lab work, right? Well, that's what Jesus did. Hey, I'm going to send you out. You come back and tell me how to go. And for some of them, like, man, it went great. And for others, it's like, I don't know how to deal with this guy. He goes, oh, well, that guy, you got a prayer and fast, right? So I'm going to tell you, now you go back out, right? So I'm just telling you, send them out. Okay. So then they come back, and they're excited, and they come back, and they go, man, that wasn't as scary as I thought it was going to be. And man, nobody threw rocks at me, and I didn't have to leave town, and, I, and <clears throat> this is amazing. And so you just say, hey, who in your life is far from God? Who in your life is far from God? So I got a neighbor, his name's Dave. He's far from God. I got another neighbor named David. I believe he's far from God. I got a neighbor named Joel. Right? Maybe at work. Co-workers. Neighbors. Tennis partners. Bunko groups. Classroom. Teachers. Students. Uh, where do you spend any of your free time if you have free time? You know, you go to the gym, you work out, you have a club. What does that look like? You know, so uh, there's a guy at our gym, his name's Josh. He's one of our trainer guys. Right? So just kind of make, we call this an oikos map, which is Greek for great yogurt. <laughs> but it's also Greek for sphere of influence or your family, right? So who's... Who's in your sphere of influence that we can be praying for? And just think what happens if Josh comes to Christ. Well, Josh is, well, he's, he's dating and living with Julie, right? And David has a wife. Her name's Julie, too, ironically. And they have four kids. So if David comes to Christ, then potentially Julie comes to Christ. Potentially four kids come to Christ. Potentially their classmates. Yeah. So just kind of help paint a vision for your people to see the people around them and begin praying. Have you prayed for a gospel conversation? Have you prayed for certain people? I know like family members is tough, right? You've got maybe siblings or relatives that are far from God they've been praying for for years. They don't seem to budge. That's all right. You just put them down. You keep praying. Um, it was great. I had an Uncle Carl that used to be on my map. Because I honestly just had no idea where he was spiritually. And just kept him on that map. I was praying for him. He lives down in Orlando. And in our last Christmas gathering, I just felt like, man, I need to have a conversation with him. Just So me and Uncle Carl just sit down and say, hey, let me draw something for you that I've been working on. Uh, that's my only... That's my go-to phrase, and they're kind enough to go, okay. And I do three circles, and Carl, where do you see yourself? And I'm fairly confident that he has a relationship with Jesus. It's pretty sucky, but it's a relationship, and 
talked about growing in that faith and, and that relationship. But anyways, so it was cool. All right. So what I would encourage people to do, I just we just did with our staff at our staff meeting, just kind of remind our folks to do this. Take a picture of this, of yours, and maybe make that the background of your iPhone, right? Just kind of keep that in front of you, in a way. All right. And then number four is when. So, um, set aside time. Can you set aside some time to pray? Pray for gospel conversations. So I've got an alarm on my phone that goes off at 10.02 a.m. It's just a little reminder. Like, oh, yeah, let me see you stop what we're doing. Just kind of, let's just pray. I've had gospel conversations this week. Then share. Who can I share this with, right? So this took a little longer because it's a big group, whatever. But I just called up different buddies of mine and just said, hey, let's grab lunch. I want to show you something. And over, over lunch, I can walk them through this in probably 20 minutes. You know, just go right through it. 20, 30 minutes. Who, who, who do you need to share this with in the next week or two? Doesn't have to be other ministers or whatever. It's just friends and folks. A buddy of mine, big time hunter, big burly hunter guy. And we had lunch and I was telling him about this and I shared it with him. And then the next morning he calls me and he's like, hey, you won't believe what happened. I was at the tax and tag office this morning and I was standing in line and the lady that works there on the other side of the wall was talking about how her family's in Haiti and there's a hurricane and losing contact, I hadn't heard from him in two days, and she wasn't sure if they were alive, and so I started thinking, well, maybe I'm supposed to be praying for this lady, maybe I'm supposed to pray for this lady, and then sure enough, like, they called my number, and I, I was at her window, and so I got my license plate, and afterwards I said, hey, I didn't mean to eavesdrop, but I heard your conversation about your family, and would you mind, could I just pray for you and your family, and she said, sure, and so she stuck her hand through that little half window, you know, kind of thing, and I, I was holding her hand, and I started praying for her, and she started crying, and I started crying, and we're all crying in the taxi tag office, you know, <laughs> and kind of laughing. He says, but Lee, that's the most excited I've been about my faith in years. Mm. So, who could you share this with? And then lastly, who could you train? Who at, at, in your world could you train? Right? So we just, for us, I already shared this, but like, let's just try and train as many staff as possible. Let's train them to train their staff. Let's train deacons to train them. Let's train our Bible study leaders. Let's train, I mean, just keep it going, right? And keep this in front of our folks. And then you find that the same language starts getting used. And the same language and the same language the same language. So. Let me stop there and see if y'all uh, have any questions. I do have one more thing. So, um, Randy's going to have, these are complete versions of what we handed out, what we did today, that you can uh, take home with you. On our Johnson Ferry, I'll write this, johnsonferry.org.
Johnson Ferry, yeah. Johnsonferry.org, if you go to our global page, you'll see Gospel Conversations, and on that Gospel Conversation page, we've got videos that train you, and I'm not going to train you, I'm going to remind you, because you've already been trained, how to do those three things that we did. Um, it'll also have a PDF of this 411 that you can print out. And then it'll also have this, which we call following Jesus. So let's say you share three circles and someone says, yes, I want to trust Christ. So Renee, at church the other day. Well, now what do I do? What if your church member works downtown and his co-worker, he leads him to Christ, but his co-worker lives on the other side of town? And there's no possibility of that person coming to your church. What do you do now? And, I, and again, as, as staff, as ministers, we're in the business of encouraging and equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. And more times or not, it's like, hey, my buddy Bill shared, you know, he came to Christ, so can you mm-hmm. fill in the blank? And we want to say, hey, that's fantastic. And no, I'm not going to do that. Because you are. So this is just, these are just eight teachings or principles of, of Jesus that if we say, hey, if we want to follow Jesus, let's learn what Jesus says is important. So, David, would you, would you be willing to meet with me maybe once a week over coffee? And we just look at one of these things a week? And we just walk through some simple questions and just kind of grow in what it, our understanding? I mean, after eight weeks of meeting with David over coffee, do you think I'm going to have a better idea of how he can grow? Do you think David's going to have a better foundation in his new relationship? Or I could say, hey, David, you trusted Jesus. That's fantastic. Good luck. Hope you find a church. Good luck getting in Sunday school or small group. Or we could come alongside him. So that's what that is. Um, sorry, I have sarcasm in my, in my throat there. Sorry, sorry, sorry. All right. It's time's up, uh, but if y'all have questions, I'll I'll head these out. Okay. Right here. All right. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much uh, for just again the opportunity we have just to partner with you in ministry. Help us uh, as leaders and equippers to equip our saints, our church, to do the work of ministry. Help them see themselves as ministers. Help them see themselves on mission. And uh, help us to give them tools and resources to do that. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys.